Okay. Good morning, everybody. Just bear with me. I got a couple props here that I want to bring in. So, one second. That one there first. This one right here. Yeah. Then this one here. Actually, bring one lifetime chair. Yeah. Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's pretty awesome. We got a full house. Like typical Mennonites, we have empty rows up here. So I should tell everybody to move up a little bit, but I'm not going to. So thank you for being here. It's, I hope you've been encouraged and blessed. Uh, the mission board, thank you so much for all the work you guys are putting in there. Kenny, for sharing. You did great up here. Um, I love seeing what God is doing in, in people's lives, and it really fits well in with um, our theme here with our four-chair discipleship. Because if you look at what a four-chair, that fourth chair that we're going to be talking about, that chair, it's at the end there. And just because it's a nice-looking chair doesn't mean the person that's sitting in chair number four has everything made, has everything together. In fact, chair number four gets a little bit messy, and we're going to talk about that. Um, what I want to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of a warning first before we get into the message today. Um, I want to have a little bit of sharing time, so I'm going to kind of cut my message a little bit short, so we're going to have some opportunity. If there's anybody here that has something to share, um, you can talk about a little bit of anything that's going on in your life, how, you know, something about four chair, you can talk about where you're at in your spiritual journey, you can talk about what God's doing in your life. Uh, we talked a little bit about in, in our Sunday school about how we should boast in the Lord. You know, we should be proud to say what God has been doing in our life and give him all the glory for it. So I want to I want to give a little bit, bit of time for you guys to just to say, you know, if there's something, if there's somebody you've been reaching out to, someone you've been, uh, has laid on your heart to pray about, just Say it so that we can all be encouraged here at church. Um, the other thing that's, that's kind of been weighing a little bit, and this is not um, really part of the Four Chair Discipleship series, but um, being Canadian, I've been following kind of what has been going on up in Canada with the, with the church up there. And right now, you know, think about this. They've been in lockdown for almost a year where they have not allowed gatherings of over 10%. In fact, they went into full lockdown again where you cannot meet again. And you remember what it was like for us here, you know, where we didn't meet for a little period of time. You know, it just gets really bad, uh, both from a spiritual standpoint, from a fellowship standpoint. Um, it's, it's just as really bad. And so if you think about this, pray for the church up in Canada. Uh, I know it's not crazy persecution, like, you know, nobody's getting tortured for their faith, like in, in communist countries, but, but it is like creating an issue where, where people are starting to, to have mental issues, people are not, they're, they're kind of leaving the faith a bit, because of not being able to get together, to meet together like we've been able to do down here. Um, so there's a church right now uh, called Grace Life Church up in Edmonton, in my home province of Alberta, that they, they put a fence around the church and they will not let people inside this church. They fenced it off with actually two fences because they continue to keep meeting. Um, and so they, they haven't been able to meet now. They did that this past week. And so just, just pray for them. Um, 
ultimately that, that God's light shines through because what happens is sometimes when people take a stand about stuff like this, uh, you know, you get fringe groups, you get right-wing groups, you get left-wing groups that all become, make it a political thing. When it has to go back to, it's actually, what does God want with this? What is God trying to say? What is God trying to do with this? And it has to go back to, ultimately, he wants to get the honor and the glory. And so that's where we come back to our theme verse. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15, starting at verse 8. And it's talking about, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Bearing much fruit. How is my Father glorified? By bearing much fruit and so you prove to be my disciples. You can actually prove to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he lays it out here. How, is, um, how do you prove to be a disciple? You glorify God by bearing much fruit. And it doesn't just say a little bit of fruit. It actually says much fruit. And so as we're, we're going to dig into chair number four here, and what you're going to notice a little bit is that I've continually said a chair number four person is a disciple who makes disciples. It's not just discipling, because discipling to me, if I just heard the word disciple or discipleship or discipling, I think of that maybe as just a little bit more of an in-depth Bible study, okay? But someone who is a disciple maker, which is what chair number four is, is someone who can take it and duplicate a disciple and make it so that they can create another disciple. Um, so making disciples who make disciples is what something that Jesus did, and he was super intentional about it. So basically, if you haven't been here before, I just want to kind of recap the, three cha- or the four chairs. Chair number one, this is our person that is lost. They have, uh, they have not put their faith in Christ. They are broken. As you can see, this chair is missing a seat. Chair number two is a person that have just recently come to faith in Christ. They're kind of a babe in Christ. They're learning how to walk, talk, feed, and cleanse. You have chair number three, which is a worker. It's a person who is starting to mature in their faith. They're starting to go from milk. They're starting to take in meat. They're starting to become a worker in the church. And lastly, now we have chair number four, and this is the chair that we want to try to get to. This is the chair that everybody who's a Christian needs to be sitting in when it comes to, um, I don't know where it is in your life, but this is where the, the chair that you're trying to get to. And that's a disciple who makes disciples. And what you have is a progression as a person who kind of lives for themselves. This person is starting to have an I mentality because he's starting to learn and develop things on his own. This person here, they're going to have like a, um, it's a more we mentality because they're working in the church. And a person who is a chair for Christian, what they're going to do is they're going to have an others mentality. They're going to say, you know what, I know what God did for me. How can I go help other people do that? And you see that with what, um, what Kenny did over in Africa. You know, it's, it's taking onus of what is in it for me, what is, and you put it on what is in it for other people. So Jesus was super intentional in equipping his disciples and training them to be disciples who make disciples. He only had three and a half years, so he had to be very, very specific every day, every hour, every minute with his intention. If you look at Luke 6, verse 40, it says, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone that is fully trained will be like their teacher. So the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained is going to be like their teacher. And who's our teacher? Jesus Christ. And the word fully trained there, the Greek word is actually equip. 
So when I talk about equipping someone, I'm giving them the necessary tools, I'm giving them the necessary training for, in order for them to actually go out and do something. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus' message and method that he used 2,000 years ago are still exactly the same. He wants us to do that same type of message. So there's been kind of a debate in evangelistic circles about whether or not we're supposed to be a church that does a lot of evangelism or a church that does a lot of discipleship. Um, you'll see a lot of churches, they're, they're very pro-seeker-friendly church. You know, you bring in the lost, get them saved. And then you have another church that maybe has a little different approach where they will take people and, and they're, they're big on discipleship. How do, we, how do we make these people grow in Christ? And I, I've kind of, I think it should be a blend of both. I think that's the, the best way. Um, the analogy that I have is an airplane. Most of you have probably flown in an airplane. And I can imagine that when you're sitting on this airplane, you're not sitting there thinking, you know what? This airplane only needs one wing because, you know, I think it could fly pretty good with one wing. No, we want it to have two wings. If it's only got one wing, it's probably a rocket. It's not an airplane. And I think evangelism and discipleship are the wings that fly the airplane. They're the wings that actually make a healthy church. So you have people that you're bringing in the lost, you're, getting them, you're having the Holy Spirit convict them, they're converted, they join church, they become members, um, and then they start to work through the chair, and they also go through that discipleship progress. And we need both to keep a healthy church. So how is chair four different from chair three? How is the worker different from a disciple maker? And the whole point of this exercise, the whole point of this series is so that you guys can look at it and say, you know what? Where am I sitting in these chairs? And I don't know where you're at in life, and it could be that, you know, you're sitting in chair two, you're sitting in chair three. What you find out in a lot of evangelical, modern-day Christian churches, you have people that are probably between chairs two and three. That's where a lot of people hang out. And they usually spend most of their Christian life hanging out in chairs two or three, where they're kind of okay coming to church, they're okay, but they're not okay taking it to the next step where they're making disciple-makers who make disciples. So, chair four basically are people who have turned from um, kind of a, a young person and they've turned into a mature parent, a parent that is starting to witness multiplication. And I found this really interesting phrase in the Bible. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to John 15, and here Jesus is talking about the true vine. And uh, the verse that I want to jump in at is John chapter 15, starting at verse 14. And it says this, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever I ask in the father in my name, he may give it to you. And there's a really key phrase in here that I think if we really take it to heart, it's going to blow your mind away. Look at this. He said, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is, but I have called you friends. Imagine being called a friend of God. Imagine being called a friend of Jesus. You know that in the Bible, there are two instances, I think it's Abraham and Moses, where they were called friends of God. And that's incredible. And the chair for person is that person that goes from being the servant, the worker, and he goes to being a friend of God. 
And I think that's really amazing because you remember when John, uh, if you read through the Gospel of John, he shows this really interesting progression of discipleship. So you have chair one, you know, they're the seeker, they're the person that's looking for, for um, faith in Christ. You have chair number two where they're that young, immature Christian, but they're, they're starting to learn and grow. Then you have the, the chair three where it's that worker, that servant. And then you come to this, you are not just a servant anymore, but you're a friend. You're a friend of God. So what does it look like to change from, you know, in fact, in Paul, uh, Romans 5.10, he said that we were enemies with Christ. He said, we're not only that we were just, you know, not associated with Christ, but we were actually enemies. We're in direct conflict with who Jesus was. So we go from an automatic, um, a drastic change from an enemy to a friend. And friendship goes so much deeper than just servanthood or just coworker. Think about who your friends are in life. Friends are someone that you can share with. Friends are you can share your, you, can, you can't wait to see them a lot of times. You're like, when's the next time I can see you? You're just, you're overjoyed with, with sharing your heart with them. Um, you have a level of security and trust. You're willing to, to tell them things. And you don't have to like, you know, you don't have to strive to please your friends. Think about that. You don't have to say, you know what, I just hope that person stays my friend. You know, I just, when you have a really good friend, when you have a best friend, that person, it's just, it's a joy to be their friend. And you ha- don't have to, and that's what that works with God, you know, we don't have to strive to please him because we realize we're loved and accepted because he loves and accepts us, because he calls us his friend. And the, relation isn't, the relationship isn't actually even about us, it's about him and what he's done for us. We actually long to be in the presence of the Lord. Chair four people, they start to like have this just insane desire to say, you know what, what can I do for you, God? What can I do that is going to further your kingdom? What can I do to help make disciples who are going to make disciples? And what an honor and a privilege it is to be a friend of God. So if you're a chair four person today and you walk out of here, you can say with with confidence that, you know what, I am a friend of God. Satan hates chair four people. He hates them. He wants you stuck in a chair where you just are busy doing activities, where you're busy just doing things, where you're not really doing anything with purpose. But he hates it when a chair four four person starts to make disciples who in turn want to make disciples. When we reach the lost, grow new believers, equip them, and go and repeat this process, we soon become a target for the enemy. And um, I may get in trouble for a little bit of this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, chair four people sometimes become a little bit of maybe an enemy of the traditional church. They sometimes get a little stigmatized or they get put out there. And I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, this actually has happened. I, I'm going to change the person's name. But uh, there, was a, there was a guy named Tom who had this really intense desire to reach his community. And he wanted to reach some of his neighbors that were uh, living close to him, that were unchurched people. And uh, the people were kind of some, there was one family that were kind of caught up in drugs. And, and Tom just felt this desire. He said, you know what, I want to reach out and help them. And, and he didn't feel quite comfortable maybe to invite them to church. And so he started just witnessing to them on that first level. Remember we talked about when, you're, when you start, you have to build relationship first. You have to build a relationship with someone before you can kind of present the gospel to him. It's that working the soil before you can plant the seed. And that's what Tom did. 
and uh, they eventually placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and they started this little Bible study, and, and um, they wanted to, you know, take their faith further. And, you know, he got talked to by some elders of his church. They said, you know, is our church not good enough for you? And there was some awkwardness there. There was a little bit of awkwardness because, you know, it wasn't that he didn't want to associate with the, the home church, but he was criticized for not being a team player. And in reality, what should have happened probably with Tom is he probably should have got commissioned and sent out to church plant. I mean, that's maybe what should have happened in an ideal situation. But the truth was, Tom was concerned about making disciples where he lived in his local community and the people that God brought into his life. And um, his story's not unique, and I feel that maybe sometimes as the traditional church model that we have in America, um, maybe it's not always supporting chair for people. It's maybe not always supporting them correctly. And so I think we have it where we can, we can make a difference and we can change that. In John 15, Jesus reminds his disciples that the world hated you, and the reason the world hates you is because it hated me first. That's why. It hated me first. And if they persecute you, remember it's because they persecuted me as well. And chair four people, what they've done is they've learned some amazing lessons going through chairs one, two, and three. They see God working in their life. They see God calling them to serve. And maybe it's serving in areas that we're not always comfortable serving in. So I'm going to wrap up uh, with three principles of chair four people. So if you remember the last time I preached on this, we were out of Mark chapter four. So let's go to that. It's the parable of the soil. Some people call it the parable of the sower. And we talked about um, some of the seeds that fell on the path that the birds came and plucked it and ate it up. We talked about the seeds that that fell on rocky ground, they didn't even have a chance to grow. And then the seeds that fell upon the thorns that got choked out because people were more worried about how are they going to accumulate wealth. They were worried about their life. Um, they're worried for their desire for things. But then there was some seed that fell on good soil. And we're going to find that in verse 8 of Mark chapter 4. And it says, And the other seeds fell onto good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. If you notice, it doesn't just say that the seed started to grow and became a plant. It says it started to grow and it produced grain and it measured 30, 60, and 100 times more than what was planted. What do we call that? We call that multiplying. We call that producing fruit. So the number one principle with a chair for a person is multiplication. And there's a difference between multiplication and growth. Sometimes I think we confuse that in church. We think, oh, you know what, if we have a big church or there's a lot of people in your church, that's good. That's multiplication. It really isn't. Um, growth is important. I think it's important that, that it happens, but multiplication is better. And the reason it's better is because, you know what, there was a period when Jesus was going through growth. He had actually a lot of disciples following him. Do you know that Jesus had a lot of disciples, and then it says um, in John, and I, I found this um, reference kind of ironic, because it's John 6, 66. And it says, many disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Do you know that Jesus lost a lot of disciples? He actually had a lot of people following him. They turned back because he started saying things that were too hard for them to admit to. He started saying things that he said, you know what, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up some stuff. And a lot of his disciples said, you know what, we're not willing to do that. We can't do that because it's a little bit too hard. Jesus focused on multiplication over the growth because he knew 
that the message he carried had to be go on longer than three years. It had to have a message that kept on going for not just three years, but for thousands of years. Because that's the same message that we're actually preaching today. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Chair number, or point number two, sometimes chair four people might look like the enemy because they don't do things exactly how we think they would do them. Um, A lot of times these people are very passionate about reaching unbelievers with the gospel. God will often call them to maybe a new adventure that looks different than the path that we're on. And instead of maybe hanging out and just going, doing church kind of like the, you know, we kind of are used to seeing it, they maybe go out and launch a new ministry or they recruit others into helping start something new. What we need to do as church, what we need to do as a church family, we need to come alongside these people and help clarify their calling. Um, We need to help them define their mission. We need to help them establish the values that they're trying to raise. And then we need to pray for them that the Lord can use them mightily in multiplying his kingdom and actually rejoice with them when we see the results. Chair four people actually look a little bit different than each other. And this is kind of with Jesus' method, too, of teaching. You know, he had the same principle. It was an organic process that kind of followed a pattern. You know, you start out in chair number one, chair number two, chair number three, and then eventually in chair number four. And it followed a pattern, but the end results look different. The end results do not always look the same. Because some people are called to do different things. Some people are called to plant a church. Some people are called to be a, um, a youth minister. There's some people that are maybe go work in a homeless shelter. Some people maybe go to Africa and help drill wells and help raise chickens. Some people maybe go to Greece and work in um, uh, the shelters over there dealing with refugees. Some people might end up at a thrift shop in Pennsylvania working there. I don't know what the ministry is that God's calling you to do. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is. But what God is calling you to do is stretch yourself and reach out of what you're doing. Maybe it's working in foster care. Maybe it's working with adoption. I know there's people here at our church that have been doing that. And the thing about the end results to all this, there's a variety of missions, but there's one common passion, one common goal. And that's to make disciples who make disciples. And basically, if you look at what healthy discipleship making looks like, there's one description that probably sums it up better than anything. And it looks messy. It looks messy. It doesn't always look clean and neat and real packaged with a beautiful bow on it. You can talk to people here. There's four chair people in our church, and you can talk to them, and they'll probably let you know that it is kind of messy. There's things that go on that are, you know, if you'd see the inner workings, maybe their family life or maybe, you know, what they're dealing with, it's, it's not always pretty. New believers coming to Christ, learning how to walk, talk, feed, and cleanse has its ups and downs. When we see sin in our lives and we learn how to deal with it honestly, it gets messy. When we build families who make disciples, we go from that baby stage to that second stage, it looks messy. It's not all pretty. But the development can only be accomplished with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says in 1 John 4.13, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Without the spirit of God working in us, we actually are not going to grow and we're not going to get to that level of making disciples who make disciples. So I hope this kind of gave you a little bit of a, a pattern of, you know, this four chair kind of clarified a little bit in your minds, you know, where you're at. You can look at these chairs and say, which chair am I stuck in? 
Which chair am I at? If you're in chair number four, that's amazing. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. I think it's, it's, a, it's a crazy place to be at. Like I said, it's probably really messy. But one thing I thought of, in order to make this practical, what do we have to do? And I think we have to actually start naming names when it comes to making things practical. So maybe start with a piece of paper, and you can do this right now, or you can do this when you go home, you can do this this coming week, is who am I going to disciple and mentor? Write that person's name down. Who am I going to witness to? Write that person's name down. Who am I going to start praying for on a continual daily basis? Write that person's name down. Who am I going to invite to church and say, you know what, come and see. Just like Jesus said, you know, where am I staying? Come and see. Who am I going to, or which mission or ministry has God called me to? To start maybe, or even to be a part of? Write down that mission, because maybe that's what God wants you to do. Write it down, get it on paper, and then act with the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's what God is trying to call us to do. He doesn't want us stuck in chair numbers two and three our entire Christian life. He wants us to be disciples who multiply. Just like the theme verse says, you know, how do we know that we glorify God? By bearing much fruit. It's not by bearing a little bit of fruit. It's not by bearing a tiny, but bearing much fruit. That's how we prove that we're his disciples. And I know I'm running out of time here. We're going to do some sharing, so get your sharing uh, minds in, or get your sharing thoughts. But in Acts, the word actually disciples started changing. Acts chapter 26 it's actually started changing from disciples to church. And what happened is, is these chairs all of a sudden started changing, and they go like this now in, in, in church today, where they sit around, and now these chairs become family. They become church family. So that there's not maybe one person kind of leading the charge, but you're going to have a disciple maker who makes disciples. You're going to have a new Christian. Um, you're going to have a Christian worker, and you're going to have a seeker coming in. But they're all sitting around this table, and they're sitting around the church table where we're pouring into their lives, where we're helping them actually grow in faith. And so I just want to have that concept. You know, it's not maybe the same model where you have Jesus walking along and he had a bunch of disciples trailing after him. But now in the New Testament in Acts, you had the church. And this Paul talked about it, and I could preach for hours on that. But now it's the church where all these people are kind of sitting around the table, and there's all the you know, the chair one, two, three, and four, all at that same table. So now if the, um, the ushers could grab some mics, if you have something to share, you can raise your hand, and um, they'll get a mic to you.